This audio production is presented by Good Shepherd Presbyterian Church in Ocala, Florida. For more resources, visit us online at gspcocala.com. Chapter 8, verses 12 through 59. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, You are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I come from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. So he said to them again, I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself since he says where I am going, you cannot come? He said to them, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins for unless you believe that I am he who will For unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, Who are you? Jesus said to them, Just what I have been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And He who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to Him. As He was saying these things, many believed in Him. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed Him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say, You will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, 
If you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, We were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. The Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father, and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, If anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who died? And the prophets died. Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say, He is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. The grass withers and the flowers fade. Thank you, Nikki. Sorry for the long, long passage. It just fits. It's like a rainy day. You've curled up with a nice long book and, and we're all together in it. Um, let's pray. God, I praise you for who you are. I pray that you would open our hearts this morning to your word and what you have for us. I pray that we would be able to uh, clearly see ourselves for who we are uh, and see you for who you are. Uh, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. <clears throat> so I wanted to start by asking uh, just a simple question. How, how do you introduce yourself? When you're in a group of new people, how do you uh, introduce yourself? Kyle just did a, a beautiful example of this. Um, he got up and he said, my name's Kyle Sly and I'm a teacher at Redeemer Christian School. 
Uh, Kyle contains multitudes. Kyle's an elder at this church. Uh, Kyle's been here for a long time. Kyle's a, a dear friend of mine. And so there's so many ways that he could have introduced himself, but he's coming to you as a teacher at Redeemer to pray for Redeemer. Uh, and so he puts a qualifier onto uh, his identity. Uh, and so we do this all the time. Um, I can't tell you how many circles for the past 10 years I've walked into and said, I'm Ben, I'm Kirsten's husband. Uh, and it, it gives a connotation of how I belong in the setting that I'm in. Why are you walking into this veterinary school? I have no idea. I'm Kirsten's husband. Um, so we, we, if, if I want uh, a little bit of street cred in the preschool over here, uh, I, I can say that I'm Asher and Tate's dad. And that gives a, a different connotation of who I am instead of just some guy who's walking through the fence. Um, and we do this over and over and over again. If you remember uh, being 18 and being asked the question, what are you doing next year? Where are you going for college? Uh, that answer uh, stamps something onto your identity uh, about who you are and, and what you're up to. Once you get to college, if that's the route that you take, uh, the question becomes, what's your major? What are you studying? Uh, and either with pride or embarrassment, you either say, you know, I'm going to be a doctor or... Uh, I'm an English major, and I have no idea what I'm doing with my life. Um, that was my answer to that question. Um, uh, and so we have uh, all of these ways that we present ourselves to the world. We, we live in a culture uh, that thrives on and runs on existence by association. Uh, we have some, some part of our identity that ties us to something bigger than ourselves. We become like, like little barnacles on boats. Uh, we attach ourselves to something that's greater than us. Uh, and we exist by association to that thing. Uh, and so this is my occupation. This is my family. This is the place that I'm from. Um, when I, I still catch myself all the time uh, when I'm in, in places uh, that are not Ocala, I'll introduce myself and I'll say, I'm Ben, I'm from Ocala, but I grew up in Lakeland. Uh, and so I still have this like twinge of, I'm associated with another place that's a little bit bigger than Ocala, but I'm, I live in Ocala and I'm kind of from here and I've been here long. I've lived in Ocala longer than I lived in Lakeland, which is crazy to think about. But I still have this, this uh, barnacle attachment uh, to something that I feel will get me more credibility uh, perhaps than Ocala. Sorry for those of you who grew up in Ocala. I love it here and I want to live here forever. Um, but we do this all the time, right? You, you catch yourself doing this. You attach yourself uh, to something that's greater uh, than you so that you can have uh, more credibility in the circles that you run in. This is what uh, causes a 19-year-old to paint themselves blue and scream until they can't talk the next day uh, because they are associated with something else. Uh, as that 19-year-old, I didn't walk out of the stadium at UF saying, what am I doing with my life? I'm painted blue. I look like a fool. I was just on national television, painted blue, looking like a fool. I walked out of the stadium with a sense of pride uh, because I was uh, attached to the University of Florida in our football program. And I was like, I am contributing to this uh, success that is happening, um, which is nonsense, right? Uh, we do this all the time. Hey, Abby. Um, we, we do this all the time with our occupations. Uh, the second question that you're asked after your name is, what do you do? What's your job? Uh, and I think those of you who have been through the, the, the stage of retirement, uh, have this wrestling with your identity. Uh, I presume I'm not quite there yet, but uh, I presume that there's a wrestling with your identity of I don't have an office to go to every day. I am not my occupation anymore. How, how do I fit into the world at large uh, if not in the category that I've built for myself? Uh, or those of you who are, are mothers, uh, when you're an empty nester, when your kids are not in the house anymore, this, this thing that you have built your identity upon uh, there's an adjustment period, uh, and there's discomfort in that. Maybe there's joy and celebration as soon as your kids leave for college. But, um, 
But we have this existence by association culture uh, that we live in. Uh, and this is exactly what, uh, what is going on in our passage today. We have two groups of people. We have Jesus and we have the Pharisees. And each of them uh, are introducing themselves. They are uh, standing in front of each other and saying, this is who I am. Jesus is, is calmly uh, and kindly revealing himself to the Pharisees, uh, little by little, as he has this conversation with them. Uh, and the Pharisees and their responses are uh, exposing their associations, exposing the things that they have attached themselves to, uh, and there's, there's incongruency. There's a, a fight that breaks out in this conversation. And so as I was reading this passage, I, uh, I struggled to break it up. I wanted to, to make it smaller for your benefit, for Nikki's benefit in reading. Uh, but I just couldn't bring myself to do it because uh, we have so many ac- interactions that are flash in the pan. Uh, you know, we meet someone at a conference or at a dinner or uh, in a large social gathering and we get two seconds with them and we move on. Uh, as opposed to times that we have where you spend a weekend with someone, or uh, you get to go on a retreat like our men's retreat or our women's retreat, and you get to know people in, in a deeper way because of longer conversations, because of bigger chunks of time. Uh, and so I wanted the longer chunk uh, in this, this conversation that Jesus has. There's so many things that we could have honed in on, like, I'm the light of the world. Uh, John has all of these I am statements uh, throughout his gospel, uh, or there's a big one at the very end. Uh, Jesus uh, says the Greek words, ego and me, which we'll talk about uh, which is we could spend a month talking about uh, that part of the passage. But, but I want a big, big picture, big conversation, large flow of how Jesus is interacting with these people. Uh, we're in the middle of a sermon series talking about Jesus revealing his character. Uh, we've talked about uh, Jesus. Uh, last week, we talked about him healing uh, the, the woman who had a discharge of blood and then going on to uh, raise Jairus' daughter from the dead. And before that, we talked about Jesus' miracle uh, at the wedding feast of Canaan. Uh, and so Jesus is, is presenting himself to people uh, in, in small increments, in ways that, that he's drawing them to himself. Uh, and so we get to see that in this passage today uh, as we dig through it. So I want us to hold on to uh, three major questions as we dig through this massive passage today. Uh, Three major questions. Number one, who is Jesus claiming to be? What is he associating himself with? What what boat is he attaching his barnacle to to say, uh, this is who I'm with and this is who I am? uh, And and how is he presenting that to the Pharisees? Who is Jesus claiming to be? Uh, What is his identity that he's presenting? Number two, uh, what is his attitude toward the Pharisees as he's speaking to them? Uh, what's his tone of voice? What's his body language like? How is he interacting with the people who, is, uh, who are continually disagreeing with him, uh, who are standing in opposition to the things that he is claiming uh, to say? Um, and finally, what does the Pharisees' reaction tell us about ourselves? Uh, where do you see yourself in this story? How do you uh, place yourself into uh, the gospel message that John uh, records for us? Uh, every time the Pharisees talk, Uh, As you read this passage today, as we talk about it, I want you to picture that they have a buzzer in their hand because it seems like every time Jesus speaks, they have a buzzer and they just go, eh, wrong. That's not true. You can't say that. That's not right. You can't tell us that's who we are. Uh, So every time the Pharisees talk, it seems like they have a buzzer in their hand. Uh, And and I want to show us that the way the Pharisees are interacting with Jesus is almost a reversal of Isaiah chapter 6. Uh, In Isaiah 6, the prophet finds himself in the throne room of God, uh, and he sees the majesty of who God is, and he looks at himself, and he says, I fall short. 
Uh, I don't measure up. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I come from a people of unclean lips. Uh, And what the Pharisees are doing is flipping that interaction on their head. They're looking at God incarnate, and they're saying, you don't measure up to our standards. Uh, We have a, a, a culture that we live in that has these certain attributes that we glorify, and you're not measuring up to what we think you should. Uh, and so it's, it's this perverse, uh, backwards understanding uh, of God's interaction with mankind. Uh, and it's, there's, it's arrogant, and it's gross, and it's exactly how my heart works. So as we go through, who is Jesus? Who is he claiming to be? Uh, what's his attitude toward the Pharisees? How is he approaching them? Uh, and finally, uh, what... What does the Pharisees' reaction tell us about who we are? Uh, how do you see yourself in, in their brokenness uh, and in their um, just rejection of who Jesus is? Uh, so to begin, John eight twelve, 12. Uh, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. I have come to illuminate the truth uh, among you. I have come to show you who you are uh, and show you who I am. Uh, and in this light, uh, I will eliminate darkness. Uh, I will bring the light of truth and you can come out of the darkness uh, and live in the light. Um, and so the Pharisees, again, with their buzzer, they pop out from behind the bushes and they just say, no, wrong. Uh, they say, you're, you're giving testimony about yourself. Uh, perhaps you've heard the old adage of anyone who represents themselves in court has a fool for a client. Have you heard that saying? Um, so imagine you're, you're your own lawyer, you're representing yourself in court and you say, your honor, I have my star witness. I would like to call myself. I did not do it. Case closed. We're out of here, right? Uh, It doesn't fly. It doesn't work in a court of law. And so the Pharisees uh, call Jesus out and they say, you are testifying about yourself and you can't do that. You can't claim to be uh, something lofty like the light of the world who is the ultimate holder of truth. Uh, And so Jesus has already gone through this argument himself. If you flip back to John chapter five, uh, verses 31 through 36, Jesus publicly states, if I testify about myself, my testimony is not valid. There is another who testifies in my favor, and I know that his testimony about me is valid. You have sent to John, and he has testified to the truth. This is John the Baptist. Not that I accept human testimony, but I mention it to you that you may be saved. John was a lamp that burned and gave light, and you chose uh, for a time to enjoy his light. So again, we have the light motif working through. If we flip back again to John chapter 3. We have John the Baptist's testimony about Jesus. See if this sounds familiar uh, in light of John chapter 8. In John chapter 3, verse 31, it says, The one who comes from above is above all. The one who is from the earth belongs to the earth and speaks as one from the earth. The one who comes from heaven is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard, but no one accepts his testimony. The man who has accepted it has certified that God is truthful. For the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God gives the Spirit without limit. The Father loves the Son and has placed everything in His hands. Whoever believes the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. John, the, the gospel writer, has been building this case throughout his, his writing of who Jesus is. He has been building... Uh, this understanding of, of where Jesus fits into the cosmos uh, and, and this testimony about who he is has come from the Father. Uh, remember Jesus' baptism. Uh, the Father uh, speaks from the clouds and says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. 
listen to him and do what he says. And so, so Jesus has been confirmed by John the Baptist, a voice crying out in the wilderness. He's been confirmed uh, by God himself, the Father, uh, who has come down and said, this is my son. And so Jesus looks at the Pharisees and he says, I don't stand on my own testimony. Uh, I, I am right and I am speaking the truth, but my Father has sent me, sent me and I do what my Father uh, tells me to do. Uh, Jesus is unshaken by the Pharisees' uh, buzzer in their face, in his face. Uh, and that's not really how I react when I'm confronted. Uh, I don't like conflict. I'm a pretty conflict-averse person. Uh, and so if someone says you're wrong, I'm quick to cower and say, yeah, I don't want to talk anymore because I'm afraid of you. Um, but Jesus doesn't crumble under, uh, under conflict. He says, you are wrong. I'm speaking the truth. My father testifies as to who I am. Uh, and he says this line that is so beautiful. Uh, I know where I come from and where I am going. I know that I came from heaven. I know I am going to the cross. Uh, I know exactly what my father has called me to. And that's who I am. You can't say anything to me that's going to shake me to my core because I know who I am. I know where I rest. Uh, and, and that's not always true of me. I don't know about you guys. But I don't always know where I come from or where I'm going. Uh, sometimes I get turned around a little bit in that process. But Jesus has so much confidence because he is so plugged into his identity uh, as attached to the Father in heaven. And so there's nothing that the Pharisees can say that, that will shake him. They're going to try, but they're going to fail. Um, so moving on uh, in this passage, uh, the Pharisees asked Jesus, where is your father? Uh, and perhaps this is just a genuine question, and they're intrigued by his father in heaven and where heaven is and the mechanics of all of those uh, inquiries. But, but perhaps the Pharisees are being a little bit more nefarious. Maybe they're poking at Jesus. Michael mentioned a couple weeks ago that, that Joseph, Jesus' earthly father, uh, doesn't really show up in, in the Gospels after uh, they come back from Egypt. Uh, he is there for Jesus' birth. He's there to retreat away from uh, Herod's wickedness, and then he comes back, and then we don't see him uh, in the grand scheme of, of Jesus' life very much. Uh, and so if you, if you think back to Jesus' birth announcement, we talked about this in Georgia Sunday School class this morning, uh, there's questions about his parentage, right? Uh, his reputation among the community uh, is not necessarily one uh, of, of family stability in, in his conception. Uh, and so, so the Pharisees asking this question is not just, uh, where is your father? But we know you. We know who you are. We know where you come from. Uh, and where you're going. You're an illegitimate child. Uh, and, and so they poke at him. They say, where is your father? Uh, this, this rings a little bit of Matthew 13. If you remember, Jesus is preaching in his hometown, uh, and the, the listeners look at him and say, isn't, isn't that the carpenter? Don't we know his brothers? Aren't his sisters here? Don't we know his mom? And, and they don't believe him because they uh, know where he comes from. Uh, they know his, his parentage and his story. Uh, and so... Um, so we have this brokenness and perception uh, of, of the Pharisees building a, a case about Jesus that is not true. Um, and uh, and it, it leads to um, frustration and anger from the Pharisees that, that Jesus is who he says he is. He is who he claims to be, uh, but that doesn't uh, fit with their, their narrative. Um, so Jesus continues uh, by, by telling them uh, that where he's going, they can't come. Uh, and so there's an odd response here from the Pharisees uh, culturally for us. We don't quite understand um, that, that Jesus uh, is claiming that he's going to a place where, where his followers can't come. And the Pharisees say, is he going to kill himself? Because the, the Pharisees believed that 
if someone killed themselves, they were going to the deepest level of hell. They were going to the darkest punishment that, that anyone could possibly uh, experience. And so they are standing over here saying, we're righteous. We're good. We're not going anywhere near hell, let alone the bottom part of hell where people who commit suicide go. Uh, and so uh, they say, you must be headed for wickedness because we are good. And if we can't come where you're going, you're going somewhere bad. Uh, it's a false, uh, false line of reasoning uh, and logic in their brains. Uh, and so Jesus uh, denies this claim and says, no, um, I'm not going to kill myself. Uh, I, am, uh, I am going uh, to glory. I'm going to uh, the cross. Um, so uh, he says, you are from below and I am from above. You don't understand uh, what's going on here. You are uh, children of the devil. Uh, he's going in that direction. So, so Jesus says, you are from below. I am from above. Uh, you are of the world and I am not of the world. If I told you, you would die, I told you you would die in your sins, uh, and if you believe, if you do not believe that I am the one that I claim to be, and you will indeed die in your sins. Uh, and so the, the Pharisees asked this, this very poignant question, uh, who are you claiming to be? Who are you? Uh, remember when, when Jesus goes to trial and Pilate looks at him uh, and says, who are you claiming to be? What is truth? Uh, why have you caused this uprising? Uh, so the Pharisees stop in the middle of this and ask uh, such an important question. I remember uh, when Jesus asked Peter and the disciples, who do people say that I am? And they say, some say that you're Moses, some say you're Elijah, some say you're a prophet. Uh, and he says, but who do you say that I am? This is the question that we put at the end of our nativity as people leave the grounds uh, to, to plant this seed in people's hearts of who do you say that I am? Who is Jesus and who is he to you? And Peter confesses, you're the Christ. You're the son of God. Uh, and this is a, a beautiful declaration of who Christ is and who he claims to be. So the Pharisees, uh, again, ask this question, who, who do you claim to be? Who are you? Uh, and that is a, a beautiful thing for us to wrestle with, for sure. Um, Jesus says, just what I've been claiming all along. Uh, and he replied, I have much to say in judgment of you, but he who has sent me is reliable, and I have heard from him uh, what I tell the world. Um, so they're confused. There's a misunderstanding going on here. Uh, and Jesus is losing the crowd uh, in, in their understanding. And so he, he makes this reference for them. He says, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am the one I claim to be. So these are Old Testament scholars. They have a deep understanding of, uh, of the passages that, that happen in, in the Old Testament through the, the prophets and the, the writings and the wisdom literature. And so they they would immediately know that when Jesus says, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, he's talking about Daniel chapter 7. Uh, if you flip to Daniel chapter 7, um, Daniel is a fascinating book. Uh, I remember when, when Kyle and I first started working here, Kyle taught through Daniel. Uh, and the first half of it is classic, right down the line, uh, felt bored Sunday school stories, right? We've got Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We've got Daniel in the lion's den. We've got just the hits, Right? And then there's a switch in the middle of Daniel. It turns into apocalyptic literature, uh, and there's not felt boards for that, I don't think. There's like beasts with horns, uh, and there's you know, statues that have different kinds of metal and iron and whatnot. Uh, and so Daniel has these visions, and he's predicting the fall of Babylon and the fall of, of the kingdoms that are up uh, against God and the coming of this Savior, this Messiah, who he calls the Son of Man. And so in Daniel 7, uh, if you look at verse 13... Daniel says, in my vision at night, I looked and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. 
He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. And all peoples, nations, and men of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. So when Jesus says that he is the Son of Man, uh, when he claims to be this figure from Daniel 7, he is saying, I'm the Messiah. Uh, I'm the one who is sent that will reign forever. Uh, I'm the one that Daniel spoke of uh, when he claimed that one was coming whose kingdom would never end. Uh, And so Jesus uh, is speaking the Pharisees' language, and he says, uh, I am the one Daniel is talking about. I am the Son of Man, and when you raise me up, you will understand that I am who I say I am. Uh, And so uh, Jesus is, of course, speaking about the cross when he is raised up uh, as a sacrifice for all. Uh, and, And what happens? The people believe. Those who are around him believe and trust uh, in what Jesus has said. So verse, verse 30 of John chapter 8, even as he spoke, many put their faith in him. And so most of us, uh, if we were evangelizing, if we were telling people about who Jesus is uh, and we've got him on the hook, we would say, mission accomplished. We're done, right? We can pack it in and we can move on uh, to the next uh, Bible study or whatever it is. But Jesus presses the issue a little bit. Uh, It says, to the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So these are people uh, who don't believe that they are in bondage. And Jesus comes to them and says, uh, it is beautiful that you believe that I'm the son of man. It is amazing that you have trusted in my word. Uh, You're gonna be free from the brokenness that you're living in. And they say, whoa, whoa, whoa. There's no brokenness here. Again, that buzzer comes back out uh, and they say, we're not slaves. We're children of Abraham. We've never been slaves to anyone. How could you possibly say that about us? Uh, And they're deeply offended because Jesus has such a nerve uh, to say, you're not free. You're slaves to sin. Uh, You are bound in the brokenness uh, that you live in uh, as you pursue your own way, as you associate yourself with things that will not last forever. Uh, You have, have bowed down to a kingdom that will perish and you are tied to it in your identity. Um, so he claims that they are slaves to sin. Uh, he says, I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are ready to kill me because you have no room for my word. I'm telling you that I have seen the Father, uh, the, it, what I've seen in the father's, father's presence and you, what you have heard from uh, your father. So they, they, say, they say a dangerous thing and they don't know that what they're saying is dangerous. They say, Abraham is our father. And Jesus says, if you were Abraham's children, then you would do the things that Abraham did. As it is, you are determined to kill a man who has told you the truth and things that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the things that your father does. Uh, And they say, we are not illegitimate children. So if you remember the story of Abraham, if we go back, uh, Genesis uh, chapter 15, I believe it is. Um, Or no, it's before that. Uh, Anyway, Abraham has two sons right? Abraham has a legitimate son and an illegitimate son. And the legitimate son, uh, Isaac, is the son of the promise, and the covenant is fulfilled through him. Uh, And he also has an illegitimate son of Ishmael. And the story of Ishmael is that he is sent away. He is born uh, as a child into slavery, into brokenness. Uh, And eventually, once, uh, once Isaac is born, Sarah looks at Hagar and Ishmael and says, send them away. Get them out of my house. They are not uh, going to receive the covenant promise that God has given to us. And Abraham does. He sends them away. Uh, and so when Jesus looks at these people and he says, you are 
you're children of brokenness. You are indeed children of Abraham, but you're not in the right line. You're not in the right family tree. Uh, You have been cast out because you're slaves to sin. You were born into slavery. uh, And apart from uh, my work on your behalf, uh, you're gonna be sent away. You're gonna die in your sin uh, and it's not gonna go well for you. Uh, And so so they continue to press the issue. Um, and, And they... They claim that they are not illegitimate children, that they are legitimate, and what he is saying is wrong uh, and backwards. Genesis 21, sorry, I just saw it in my notes, uh, is the story of uh, Ishmael and Hagar being sent away. Um, So Jesus continues uh, in his dismantling of their understanding of reality, uh, and he says, not only are you not children of Abraham, not only are you not of a legitimate line, uh, but you are in fact children of the devil. Uh, You are children uh, of your father, the devil, um, and you can't even hear what I'm saying because we don't speak the same language. Uh, you are so delighted in ingesting as much sin as possible uh, that you can't even hear what I'm saying. Uh, this reminded me a little bit of the, the Tower of Babel, right? We have uh, men who are deciding that they are going to make a name for themselves by building a tower to heaven, and all of a sudden, uh, through the power of God intervening in man's brokenness, uh, one guy goes to hand another guy a brick, and he can't understand what he's saying. And there's this brokenness and this division that happens in the Tower of Babel, and it crumbles society as they knew it at that point. Uh, and they're unable to, uh, to accomplish uh, the sinful acts that they were trying to, uh, to set out to do in, in building a tower to make the name, a name for themselves. And so Jesus says, there's, there's a break in communication here. You can't even hear the truth that I'm telling you uh, because you are so uh, invested in uh, what you think your identity is, being sons of Abraham. You think you are saved by the righteousness that comes from being Jews, uh, and you are completely off base. Uh, you haven't quite caught the understanding of, of what the Messiah is here to do. Uh, so the Pharisees get frustrated. If you've watched your children fight or if you've been in a childish argument recently, uh, you'll understand exactly what's happening here. Uh, so um, in verse 48, the Jews answered him, aren't we right in saying that you're a Samaritan and demon-possessed? Where did that come from? <laughs> Sometimes uh, as a parent, you'll hear something from the other room and a, a child takes a, an emotional shot at another child and you're like, where are you even getting this stuff? That came out of nowhere. Uh, so, so the Pharisees, in their attempts to, to uh, discredit what Jesus is saying, uh, they again question where he comes from. If you remember uh, Jesus calling Nathaniel, uh, his disciple, uh, other disciples come to him and they say, Nathaniel, you've got to meet this guy. He's from Nazareth. He's great. And he says, what good can come from Nazareth? Nothing good comes from there. Uh, it's ridiculous. And so the Pharisees are taking this kernel of, you're from Nazareth, which is disrespected and not important. Uh, and they blow it up and they say, are you from Samaria? And if you know anything about uh, the context that, that they're living in, Samaria is, is this nation of half-breeds. They're not uh, quite who they should be. And they're situated right in the middle uh, of the, the territory of Israel. And so when people are on the north side of Israel and they need to get to the south side, they will walk all the way around Samaria so as not to uh, dirty their shoes with the soil of these unclean people, right? And Jesus has been pushing back on this. Uh, if you remember, the woman at the well uh, is a Samaritan woman. And Jesus dignifies her, uh, again, in a, a completely backward interaction as, as the one he's having with the, the Pharisees here. Uh, he tells her who she is, and she says, you're right. I'm an adulterous woman. Uh, and he reveals himself to be the Messiah to her. And she sprints into her town and tells them 
who Jesus is, and many people are converted through that experience. So she's a Samaritan that Jesus dignifies. Uh, And later, as he tells parables, Jesus uh, will tell a parable of the good Samaritan, uh, the one who did what he was supposed to do uh, and was a neighbor to the man who was mugged on the side of the road. Uh, And so uh, to us in our our culture, we look back through Jesus's parable and we say, Samaritans are a good thing, right? The good Samaritan, that's that's what he's talking about. Uh, But in this culture, the Pharisees are saying, aren't you... Aren't you from an embarrassing place? Aren't you from a town that we all won't even set foot in? Aren't, aren't you an outcast? Aren't you a rebel? Uh, and don't you have a demon? Aren't the things that you're doing uh, coming from the devil? Uh, and Jesus says, absolutely not. You are deeply mistaken. Again, he is so rooted in the belief that he knows where he comes from and he knows where he's going that even this insult uh, that would have started a playground fight uh, amongst young Hebrew children um, doesn't faze him whatsoever. Uh, he says, I am not possessed by a demon. I honor my father and you dishonor me. I am not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it and he is the judge. I tell you the truth. If anyone keeps my word, he will never see death again. Uh, and so they, they go into a tizzy, right? They are the absolute opposite of sure-footed. Uh, they are not bound to uh, an eternal security that comes from God their father. Uh, they are easily uh, swayed by Jesus's words. So he just says, you're wrong. That's incorrect. Uh, and, and whoever believes in me will, will have eternal life and never die. And they say, how could you possibly say that? Our father Abraham died and you're saying you're greater than Abraham? And Jesus says, yeah, I am. I'm greater than Abraham. And not only that, uh, but before Abraham even existed, I was here. Uh, and so this causes them uh, to completely lose their minds Uh, And so Jesus earlier has said, you are of your father, the devil, who was a murderer from the beginning. And they, at the end of this conversation, say, we'll show you you were not a murderer. We're going to kill you. Um, (laughs) Terrible argument, right? So so why in the world would Jesus saying, uh, before Abraham was, I am, be a reason for them to pick up stones to kill him? Um, This seems like a, a grammatical error. Uh, and they're, they're not the grammar police that are frustrated with his uh, choice of words, but Jesus is, is claiming to be God in this statement. Uh, the, the Greek breaks down to uh, ego and me, which is basically two verbs of being squished together. Uh, and it, in the Hebrew, uh, it's Yahweh. And hopefully that sounds familiar if you've been uh, in God's word for a long time. And uh, even if not, Yahweh is the name that God gives to Moses in Exodus chapter three. If you wanna flip there, if you remember, uh, this is Moses' job interview to go uh, release the, the people of Israel from slavery in Egypt, which again, it, isn't it kind of weird that the Pharisees look at, at Jesus and say, we're children of Abraham, we've never been enslaved. Like The whole history of Israel is being enslaved. They disobey God, God comes to them directly and tells them what he wants them to do, and they say, no, thank you, we don't believe you, uh, and he says, okay, you're going into slavery in Egypt, in Babylon, they're currently under oppression of the Roman Empire, and they're like, we're free. We are as free as we've ever been. Just nonsense. So anyway, Moses in Exodus chapter three, he's a shepherd. He's run away from Egypt and his people because he's been disgraced uh, by murdering an Egyptian. And so his attempt to free his people by killing one Egyptian has failed. So he runs away and quits. Uh, And God comes to him in a burning bush And he says, I want you to go save my people. I've heard their cries and I want you to bring them out of Egypt. 
and into the land that I've promised you. And, and Moses asks a bunch of questions that culminate in him saying, God, please ask someone else. Um, remarkable. Moses is a fascinating character. But in the middle of this, Moses asks uh, an interesting question. Uh, in verse 13, Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell him? Tell them. And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. So how do you introduce yourself? I am something. I am my name. I am uh, my occupation. I am my relationship to this group of people or to this institution. Uh, God exists outside of association. He is valuable. Uh, he is dominant. He is powerful outside of any cosine from any other entity or, or being. He is able to say, I am, and just exist. And his pure existence uh, is enough uh, of a declaration uh, that legitimizes him. We don't have that, that value, do we? Uh, we have to be categorized by something in order to be legitimized. And even Jesus, uh, in his submission to the Father, uh, says to the Pharisees, I am the light of the world. He, he lays all these breadcrumbs. He, uh, he, he lays down a, a path where they can get to understanding who he is. But when it comes down to it, he just is. Jesus exists, and by existing, legitimizes his claim uh, to be God. And so Jesus, without a shadow of a doubt, is looking at these people and saying, I am God. That's who I am. That's where I come from, and that's where I'm going. Uh, I exist from eternity past to eternity future. Uh, I am. Uh, and they say, that's unacceptable. We need to kill you for saying uh, this, this horrible, horrible uh, untruth. So, uh, so Jesus, uh, even in uh, the, the insults of the Pharisees, even in uh, the, the absolute rejection of what he is saying, he remains calm, right? He, he, he loves these people, and he's not beating them over the head and, and telling them, you're wrong, you're wrong. Jesus doesn't have a buzzer on his side of the table in this conversation. He is loving them and drawing them to himself, and he's, he's pleading with them and saying, you are going to die in your sin. You are going to fall uh, into destruction as you continue in your pursuit here. Uh, but I'm calling you to, to the truth. I'm calling you to the light that you can live in uh, apart from your sin and brokenness. Um, Jesus is slowly dismantling uh, their false identity. Uh, when my kids take apart Legos, they're five and three, um, they don't take them apart one piece at a time, right? They drop kick them across the room and they shatter and then they pick them up and put them away. Uh, sometimes. Sometimes they don't put them away. But Jesus could have easily done that to the Pharisees, right? He could have taken their Lego tower of their identity and drop kicked it across the room. Uh, the conversational equivalent of this, have you guys ever seen Goodwill Hunting? Remember when, when Will Hunting uh, walks into uh, the Harvard bar and his friend Ben Affleck is uh, trying to, uh, to have a conversation with some women and he says, I think I remember you from history class. And this Harvard uh, punk just can't let that slide and comes over and starts to humiliate his friend uh, and say, oh, I remember that history class. It was, you know, between lunch and recess. You're a juvenile. Why are you even here? Uh, and so Ben Affleck uh, is embarrassed and Matt Damon sweeps in 
uh, and he just wipes the floor with this Harvard kid, right? He, he walks him through all the ways that his education is going to fall short. He's like, you're going to read this guy, you're going to be read this guy, and your opinions are going to change, and you're going to wake up one day, and you're going to realize that you dropped $150,000 on an education you could have gotten at the public library. Uh, and he dismantles this guy's whole identity as a Harvard student, and he says, it doesn't mean anything. The knowledge that you're accumulating, I already have, and I'm a janitor. It doesn't matter. Uh, but that's not the attitude that Jesus takes. He could have done that to the Pharisees. He could have stood there uh, and, and just broken them down. And Peter and John would have been behind him being like, yeah, a boy's wicked smart. But, but that's, not, that's not the attitude that Jesus takes when he calls people to himself. Again, uh, in Mark chapter 10, when Jesus meets the rich young ruler, uh, this man stands in front of God himself and claims that he has never sinned. Uh, he says, I've kept all the commandments from my youth. And Jesus looks at him and loves him and says, I want you to walk away from the life that you're living and I want you to come with me uh, and, and find true life. Uh, and the man walks away sad because again, the barnacle that he has attached himself to in wealth uh, is something that he is not willing to let go of in order to have the fullness of life that Jesus offers. Um, it's a sad truth, but that's, that's where we live every day, right? Uh, the Pharisees' response is the same as our response to the gospel over and over and over again. Uh, as we move through our lives and we say, I think it's better for me to be comfortable than to fully follow where God is calling me to be. I think it's better uh, for me to, to be able to be free, to be a free thinker uh, and to do the things that I want to do instead of be bound by the rules of, of Christianity uh, that would weigh me down. Uh, and this is a, a portrait that we paint of our culture, right? We, we say that our culture... Uh, has an understanding of who Jesus is, but rejects him. This is the Romans 1, right? Uh, God has revealed himself to creation, uh, to his people, and they have looked at him and said, no, thank you. Uh, and, and we like to, to separate ourselves and say, that's those people out there, but in here we get it, right? We understand. Uh, but our lives often don't reflect that. Uh, our lives often sound so much like the Pharisees where we look at Jesus and we say, I'm not sure if you have my best interest in mind. Uh, I think I might have a better... Uh, a better way to solve this problem than, than the way that you have carved out for me. Uh, and, and Jesus um, kindly and generously allows us to fall on our faces and fail over and over again and call us back to himself with the warmth that he treats the Pharisees with. Uh, he says, I am God. I am the light of the world. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And the only way to the Father uh, is through me. Um, so as we read this passage, uh, I was reminded of, uh, of the hymn line, ashamed I hear my mocking voice cry out among the scoffers, right? The Pharisees sound like me in a lot of ways. Uh, and, and Jesus calmly and kindly calls, him, calls me back to himself. Um, there's a, a little gem in here hidden in verse 16 that is the, the hope and the beauty and the truth that we can stand upon. Jesus, uh, in response to the Pharisees in verse 16 says, but if I do judge, my decisions are right because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. So Jesus' judgment toward us is right and true. Uh, and Jesus has gone to the cross uh, and paid for our sins. Uh, he has experienced the darkness that was meant for us uh, in our, our brokenness and destitution. Uh, and yet, he has taken that record and given it to us. And now he sits at the right hand of God the Father uh, as God the Father passes judgment upon us and Jesus advocates for us. Uh, Jesus says, that one's mine. 
Their identity is in me. It's not in all the things that they chased after. Uh, They are a child of God. They have been grafted into this family tree that we have cultivated. Uh, And so in Christ, we're able to stand uh, in the judgment uh, and stand upright and say, his record belongs to me. Uh, I'm nothing apart from who I am in Christ. Uh, And that's beautiful. It's it. It is such a, a, an imputed righteousness that it allows us to say, uh, I know where I've come from. I know the brokenness and destitution of my past. I know uh, how sin does not satisfy me, how sin does not uh, get me to where I'm going, but, but I know where I'm going. I know where I'm from and I know where I'm going. I am, I am bound to Christ. Uh, he has come and he has sacrificed on my behalf and I am his child. I'm not a child of Abraham. I'm not a child of whoever your parents are. Uh, I'm a child of Christ. I'm a child of God. Uh, and I am securely, securely planted in him and his family. Uh, let's pray.